Welcome back to the Key in the Lake podcast, the premier whiskey podcast now with the mention of whiskey in its title. Hey, this is Jake, your host speaking. We have a little something different today for uh, this week's podcast. We actually recorded this one on Sunday night with the great two gentlemen of Sunday Night Fights. Chris Blantner and Mikey Pinstripes, also known as the Urban Bourbonist and the Bourbon and Rye Club on the social medias. We uh, recorded a After Dark um, edition of Sunday Night Fights with Brett Bauer and Wilson Torres. Um, Wilson, who is the co-host of this podcast, and Brett, who is a friend of the podcast, they had a Sunday Night Fight between Sagamore and Union Horse Distilling Co., which Union Horse Distilling Co. just edged out the great people of Sagamore. And afterwards, Chris, Mikey, uh, and I jumped on... Um, Instagram live and so did Wilson and Wilson lasted about 40 minutes on there and then Brett came on the last hour or so so this is a little bit of a choppy audio edition I don't know if choppy is the right word but not the cleanest audio since we were recording from IG live and then Chris was uh, you know responsible enough to record it all and then we were fortunate enough for Chris to send it over to us and he allowed us to release it so this is our conversation after Sunday night fights this past Sunday between Sagamore and Union Horse Distilling Co a little key in the lake Sunday night fights combination uh oh uh oh you should be flexing. Yeah. And? You should be flexing. It's okay. Yeah. Cheers. Oh. Cheers. What do you got? That cocktail you made. You made the cocktail? Yeah. Beautiful. The 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 rye revival. <laughs> Actually, there you go. I, no. I'm sorry. I made a cocktail. Sorry, not oh. your cocktail. Brett never. Uh, <laughs> Brett and I never got to exchange bottles, so I made a Manhattan cut. Well. You know, it's it was just you know. By the yeah. way, if you come if you come on the show right now, you need to add a filter. Like you just you got to do it. <laughs> oh, we're doing filters. Okay. You got to. Like it's after dark. You have to do a filter at this point. Otherwise, well, this one's kind of weird. I mean, just, this. Oh, you know, I, oh, I see it now. Here, let me. Maybe maybe Maybelline. Man, let me just do this because I'm feeling golden right now. I'm feeling <laughs> the underdog. Feeling golden. Sprinkle me. Sprinkle. You know, what, what do you? <laughs> I still don't have. I want the mustache one. Mustache. Yeah, the, the, the mustache. mustache one is literally the best one. Oh, I like that blinking one you just did. Oh, that's crazy. That looks like you had two fighting cocks on your face. <laughs> no, but I, I, I actually wanted to take a quick minute to really give everyone a shout out, man. It was an, um, an incredible showing. You guys always have a nice pool for you know. Uh, for the whiskey community that we all belong to and we're all a fan of. I wanted to take uh, an extra time to say shout out to Sagamore, shout out to Brad, shout out to Jessica. Um, you know, like I said, we, 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 we're, we're, you know, we, we help one another as, as much as possible. You two always, you know, pass along the good word about us and everyone that was on tonight, always phenomenal things to share with each of our brands and, you know, it, it was tough. I really thought it would be round or maybe draw, but you know, hey, uh, the underdog came out. On, I love. Uh, I'm glad that I pulled out my ordinary that you know. So I appreciate everyone that that hung out with us tonight. Cheers. Well, you know, underdogs have a, have a pretty good record on this on this uh, on this show. One of my one of my favorite things about. Um, <laughs> you know, Sagamore is that they're, you know, look, people forget like that America's true native spirit is rye whiskey. It is. Absolutely. Like it's there. It, it wasn't bourbon. Rye came first. 
Right. Uh, you know, you could make the argument that some things came over on the Mayflower or whatever. You could you could make that argument, but truly, America's America's native spirits rise, and what Maryland is doing is magic. I yeah, you know, and and, and what I love about it, vibing. There are a lot, there's a lot that's kind of historically um, that were just high concentration breweries, breweries um, before the change that happened during you know, prohibition, pre and prohibition. You know, Sagamore, you know, hey, they just traced history. It's not like they woke up when they do this. Oh, no, this is just as we are at Union Horse. We are not looking for competition. Obviously, we're only in, but what we are a to the past, forge forward, you know, to you know, to establish our own unique um, way of making, you know. So, I just want to say, say, what's up to everybody? Thank you for everyone. Thank you too again. What's up, Jake? How you doing, man? You know, but it's all good. Wilson, do you have headphones on? No, I do not. Okay, because you're break you're breaking up a little bit. Okay, you know what? I'm going to get out because I, I don't want to take up any more of your time, but I just no, want to say thank I, you I, I to everybody. To you while you you're know. on here. Oh, okay. Because, you know, these are two whiskeys that I've obviously had quite a bit, most predominantly yours, because yeah. we're best friends and run a fucking podcast together. Sorry for yeah. the explicit language. It's a key, this is a key. You can fucking say fucking shit in this show. It's fucking fine. <laughs> but, uh,. As I've mentioned many times, I remember very, I remember very um, easily the first two times I had, the first time I had your whiskey and the first time I had Brett's whiskey, I was kind of blown away by both of them initially. And when uh, this fight came about, I was, I was like, how are they going to judge this? Because I wanted Mikey to post, you know, his, his polling vote for Sagamore. And Chris opposed his, I vote for Union Horse, just to kind of balance it out. Yeah. There was this <laughs> and with uh, second more being kind of the go away winner with it all, I think it's a easier sipper. Um, not to take anything away from it, but yeah. I think the cash strength rye that you guys produce at, down there at Lenexa is much more complex, and that minty chocolateiness you get towards the end is so breathtaking that I love about it. But then there's all those amazing notes about second more that I love too. Yeah. And I how are these two yahoos going to ever judge this one? Because yeah. <laughs> it's not just the flavors and the complexity of the whiskey; it's the personalities too. Like, like I mean, we all we're all friends. We're all virtual friends right now. We're all going to be in-person friends very soon. Yeah. But, right. but it's it was, I was like, how how the heck? Like, I, I couldn't do it. Like it, it'd be like it'd be like judging against my own whiskey or. Even against judging, like, I mean, if I had to judge against you and Brett, it'd be a tough decision for me because you're both good friends. Yeah, and it, it was, believe me, it was not easy. And, like, going into this, I was like, oh, shit. This is like a, this is like one of those no-win situations. Right. But yeah. in, uh, in the end, these are both just ridiculously good whiskeys. So they're... You know, like I said at the, at the end of the show, there's no loser in this. I mean, and there's really no loser on Sunday Night Fights. We put on whiskeys that we both really like and enjoy and think are worthy of, like, going against each other. And on that night, we pick a winner. And like yeah. we said, like, tomorrow, Sagamore could win. 
It's true. I agree. I mean, it could go either way. I really just didn't know what to expect. I mean, of course, the hype videos and everything and, and just the general fandom that we have, both brands just, you know, naturally, whether it be on IG or just in the, via store purchases or whatnot, you know, it's just, I, it, I, it could have gone either way. And of course, I'm happy as fuck because it went my way. But at the same time, it's just, I think it speaks to what a, the positivity comes from the actual opportunity of, of what difficulty is. You dig what I'm saying? Especially these days where, you know, Sagamore is slowly becoming this national presence. You know, we're a regional presence. You know, literally, that's what we do. We're sitting on 1,200 barrels, folks. You know, we're not, we're not big. You know, but we're not consistently trying to put out a consistently tasty whiskey. We're just consistently putting out good whiskey, right. you know, and out of that good whiskey, you know, we've been able to provide an experience that's like, whoa, I think we need to pay attention to what's going down, you know, outside of Kentucky or even nationally or even on the micro level or on the craft level, however you want to, you know, label us, you know, and Sagmore, I feel, is the same place. The, what I dig about SAG is the fact that they are taking, yeah, a, a source whiskey that I, I threw a jab at. Sure, why not? But to, <laughs> to blend it with their own, that's pretty stellar. And for it to be that good, I mean, because usually people are not doing that. People are sourcing their, sourcing while their stuff is being matured and then ultimately transition from the source to their own and be done. They're just like, no, let's, let's just blend them. The hell with it. I mean, I don't know anyone else that's doing that personally. If well, there, there, you, make a, you make an interesting point there. Like people transitioning off their own or off yeah. their source whiskey onto their own whiskey. Mm-hmm. You know, Kathleen Key this week came out with their first single barrel, which is the true representation of Marianne Eve's, you know, work, right? Like, it's unadulterated. It's not cut, not blended. I love the fact that companies did source when they needed to, but Sagamore made it their own. Yeah. And like a lot of companies went out there, they source and like, cool, we're gonna we we all know about Smoke Wagon. We know that they get their MVP and they're like, boom, here you go. And Sagamore just did it differently. And I love the fact that we're seeing more and more and more true craftsmanship not just from the i've distilled my own stuff here's a single barrel of it but i have distilled my own things i have blended it expertly and you're gonna love it and i think that sagamore does that really well you know i know that ever the hype is all single barrel right now but listen i'm telling you dude like this off the shelf barrel strength rye whiskey will kick the fucking teeth in on so many like high end, you know, exclusive cold, you know, uh, allocated rye whiskeys. And it's fucking stupid. Like I appreciate it. Thank I, and you guys make this. Yeah. And again, still not a slam on anybody sourcing because the blend makes the difference. Oh, absolutely. anybody, yeah. can, anybody yeah. can pick a honey barrel and throw it out there to the world. Go, mm-hmm. I'm a badass. It's like, okay, right. cool. Now blend five to 50 barrels and get me something that's consistently excellent. I don't want consistent, but get me consistently excellent Mm -hmm. and then flex on it. I hear you. 
When I first when I first met Wilson, that it'll be two years like this July, and he took me through a tasting of Union Horse whiskey. That I was blown away. That we sat in a bar, which I can't wait till we can do it again. Mm-hmm. We sat in the bar, and he took me through a tasting of the Union Horse lineup, and I was like, "Holy shit! This is." whiskey coming out of Kansas that stands tall against pretty much anything that you want to put next to it. And in fact, we tasted against some you did. Yeah. big, big names yeah, we did. Uh, that night. And, and Union Horse definitely stood out against those, those big, big names. Yeah. But that's what's, that's what's so cool about about all of this is that you can discover brands like Union Horse or mm-hmm. whoever it may be and think to yourself like, holy shit, there's, there is stuff outside of Kentucky or whatever, outside sure. of the big, big brands that are yeah, just absolutely sure. worth your money 100%. Yes. It's not arrogance or ego when these brands are doing this. It's not about like a, you know, a freshman in high school who's chirping at Cam Newton at his own football camp. <laughs> these guys are out there doing it day in day out for a yeah. decade now. When it, in, the, in the sense of Union Horse Distilling Co. or Segamore, they've been developing this this whole company for years and years, and they're not so much sourcing the whiskey, but they're sourcing the machines to make their whiskey. And then bring it back to their facility and blend it to the matters they want to do it and create an art out of what they get from MGP versus taking MGP, putting your label on top of it and calling it your own. They're really crafting these art, these arts around it. And so many other distillers across the country. We have 2,300 plus distilleries in, in this in the U.S. And unfortunately, a, a lot of them aren't going to survive after this last year or so. Um, but the ones that do are the ones that care, the ones that matter, the one that are putting detail into every single day. It's not just a little bit of like a passion project you got some money for and decided like, hey, let's build some whiskey because uh, whiskey's hot right now. Yeah. These are the guys that are there 24-7 and devoted their entire lives, their entire bank account into what they're doing and investing into the future and then hopefully leaving it on for the next generation of people to come after them, their kids. That's what they're leaving it for. It's a leg- it's legacy. It's kind legacy. Of- Correct. So, uh, it's amazing to see places like Union Horse, Sagamore, um, our friends at Dancing Goat, like what they're doing up there. Like, Mike, you have to go there when it comes to like when you come to Chicago. We have to take a two-hour trip north and just go hang out. With my <laughs> That's yeah. nothing. Yeah. I'm from California, <laughs> man. It took me two hours to go 20 miles. <laughs> right. right, right. Yeah. I'm sure it's going to be that way in about uh, you know months from now too. We'll be back to normal where we're going across town. It'll take you an hour just to get from. Uh, from Lakeview down to like River West or something like that. But um, yeah, I, I look forward to that day where we can all hang out, have a glass together, go to a back bar and say like, what do we drink? And we're all right. indecisive because there's so many things that we want to have together. There is, there's so many things. And you know, and that's the thing too, you know, to, to, pick about, to, pay, to piggyback off Shake, it's, you know, there's, there's so many more up and coming brands and we and, and we try to. Jake's really good about the the, the research and bringing them to surface when, for all of us to really get to know. Or we maybe we heard something from someone else within this very community. So shouts out to this very community for that. Right. You know, but you know, to go back to Jake's 
um, and then uh, Chris's experience with Union Horse. I mean, when I signed on with them, it was really the rye that sold me, and I was not a rye drinker at the time. You know, the rye really sealed the deal for me when they were, you know, when we were talking as far as me coming over, you know, to to help them, you know, develop themselves here in this market, and forget about it. And then I shared it with Jake. I was like, "What do you think?" And he's just like, "You got a winner, bro. I mean, go with this." So obviously, we rent now. What's really been wonderful is that within this last year and a half, uh, maybe two, is where we've been able to really identify where our strengths are based on this very community and, you know, and accentuate that. We now have what the Chicago sting that's done really, really well in the market, not only in Illinois, mind you, there were only 120 bottles and there are 120 bottles. I mean, there are still six left in the state, but there are bottles everywhere. Before that we did the, the urban bourbonist pick and Leo's pick. That's all over the place. You know, these aren't, you know, Jake and I had, we did this on, we talked about it on the podcast and we continue to talk about this with anyone who wants to, but we are not in the business of single barrel production. Yeah, we produce a single barrel a day, but those single barrels a day that we produce go to our core, our, our core product line. We just, by happen chance, I'm allowed to maybe pick one or two outliers that I feel are pretty stellar and then bring the market specifically, but with purpose. We just don't bring it out there like, hey, we're single barrel producers. There's a purpose behind, and there's a reason behind, and the intent behind, just there is an intent behind the whiskey to begin with. You know, like the single the single barrel phenomenon, right, is, is an interesting concept. Um, look, Sagamore does their, their uh, single barrel, single barrel or their barrel select project. Not really a single, but it's a, a small grouping, right? Correct. If well, you Brett do, can speak more to that, but to my right, if, if you do blending well, right? If you do a blend very well, you don't need a single barrel program. No. Now, sadly, whiskey clubs and, and things like that, and stores and restaurants, bars, they're gonna want their own thing that they can they can say, This is mine. Like this is why you need to come here. And I get why people want those things. But when I taste something that's a blend, that's barrel strength, that is so fucking good, that it was really hard to pick between one or the other, like the single barrel doesn't matter. Like we didn't do Chicago Sting versus a barrel select from, you know, Sagamore. Like we did off the shelf whiskeys that can be had by people if, they, if it's available in their state. Right. So I, I love a single barrel. I love the outlier single barrel. The sting is amazing. Um, several of those floated down river somehow. Uh, not just to me, but they made them into the neighborhood, as it were. Uh, those are the those are the outliers. But honestly, I think those are the things that get people interested in. Like, what else do they do? You know, like not to make, not to use a drug dealer kind of mentality, but the first taste is free and it's real good. Mm-hmm. Now, now you can go buy it off the shelf at your local pharmacy and get what you need. But I think that <laughs> I really think that these barrel strengths that are blends, people need to get on board with. Yeah. Oh, totally. And I think, Mikey, you, I, and Jake talked about this on a Zoom. Like, there are those brands that are like, 
all in on the single barrel, and that may come back to bite them in the ass in the end because if all you can do is is a single barrel, well, one, you have a very limited amount of people that can that have access to that single barrel, and two, like you put out one that's not very good you're gonna you're you're shooting yourself in the foot so like single barrels are great and to be able to offer them is basically should be a bonus mm -hmm. but if you can put something like this on the shelf or something like this on the shelf you're way better off and, and, in, you're, and in a blind like if you told people these were single barrels they would believe you, right? Because oh, they, would, mean, they would have no they would have no reason to like think that you weren't telling them the truth in that regard. Yeah, and in effect, like, so we picked two uh, barrel selects from Sagamore at Leo's last month. Jake, you were there, and in effect, it's like you said, it's not really truly a single barrel. It's coming from a lot mm -hmm. that they blended already, and you're tasting what they blended. Right. And then you get, you know, 205 bottles of it. Um, and it's, you know, they call it barrel X, barrel Y, whatever it may be, but it's technically not a single barrel. Technically. Mm. And it's great that you can get off some things that are off profile, some things with different flavors, and and the two barrels that we picked are wildly different than yeah. than this than this bottle. So in effect, you're getting you're getting a single barrel because the profile is different. But. I've lost my train of thought, just like I do on Key in the Lake. <laughs> this happens on Sunday Night Fights, too. Oh, yeah. Well, it, happens, it happens on Key in the Lake, at least for me. It no, I, Chris, I, I think you're 100% right. And Chad, who just pointed out, who is, you know, works at Sagamore, is that the single barrels bring people to their core, to their core whiskeys. It's right. not just about putting a whiskey out there to be a one-off expression to say, hey, come buy this for, you know, buy 100 to 200 bottles of this whiskey and then kind of forget about our brand and put it on your shelf as something to keep there or like to share yeah. with your friends that's really cool. Like I have this 110, 120 proof whiskey and it's going to be awesome for this one for this one expression, but I don't know anything else about the brand. But right. we want with brand, as brand representatives, we want to have that single barrel say, hey, this is the essence of our company. It's kind of the soul of our company, if you will, and then bring them in to what we do as a core and bring in that heart. So yes. Whole, whole fluctuation of what it makes to be in distillery from that okay. bottle and then bring them into the cores where you find, you know, the water, the fire, the earth, the light. I am captain. <laughs> it's, it's, it's about bringing people into it. And if you don't, if you right. aren't doing that, then I don't, I don't think it's sustainable in the fact of doing a single barrel program because what's the point? I totally agree. agree. Yeah, it should completely, uh, I agree. And that was the thing. We were hesitant at first to bring but, a single barrel program in Chicago. But my companies were. Yeah. We were both, yeah, you're right. We talked about that. We were just like, you know, we need to do something. And it wasn't because we were trying to gain notoriety. We just needed to boost 
the, the brand as a craft brand or artisanal or however you, people are you know look at us as you know we're, we go ignored on the shelf because when you go down any shelf in any liquor store it is all the major brands first of course and then maybe that last eighth sliver on that on that aisle is craft or maybe that bottom shelf completely is craft we go ignored and that's okay i get it I get it. So what do we do? You know, I'll let you, you know, Jake and I talk about this a lot on the podcast. We talk about this just in, in, in general conversation. Um, even with our friends throughout the market, tastings are no longer right now until told differently. So what do we do? You know, single barrel is a thing. All right. Let's say we have a single barrel. See how that boosts something, you know, the, the excitement. So that happened with Leo's in August of, in the middle of a pandemic. Right. You know, that happened. And then I we released the second, you know, bourbon from directly from me and then follow that up. It's just it, it's so weird, you know. But we we're, we're looking to bring an interest to the behind the intent of what we do and, and why we do. We're looking for opportunity, literally. We're looking so for here's opportunity. Here's a question for Jake and you, Wilson. Does that, does the single barrel program, and I guess you guys can speak to this specifically for your brands, like is there pressure to create a single barrel program because everyone else is doing it? And like, mm. if you don't do it, you're missing the opportunity to basically turn someone onto the brand. And yeah. if you don't do a single barrel program, you're going to be that bottle on the shelf that people just walk by because it's not – people seek out the single barrels. Yeah. Let's be honest. People's, people hear store pick and they go crazy. Yeah. And they go crazy because it's basically because it's limited and they don't even know what it tastes like. <laughs> so – is there pressure on brands like a small brand like Union Horse, like a brand like Starward, which is a world whiskey, which, let's be honest, there's not a lot of people that know Starward whiskey. Is there downward pressure on the brands to create a single barrel program just because? I, I think I could take this one, if you don't mind, Wilson. Not at all. 100% um, there is, Chris. Like, we did not have a single barrel program. We entered the United States literally two years ago to the day. Like, this is where we entered the United States right to today. I got my job. I was the first U.S. employee for Star Wars. Um, like, I think literally yesterday was my two-year anniversary. And there was no single barrel program. Thanks, Mikey. Yeah, you know. You know. Cheers, guys. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it, there I wondered about it coming from working for American distilleries. If we had a single barrel program, if we we're going to do anything and there wasn't. And then on the fly over about a year and a half span, we started developing it and selling single barrels in the process because people were asking us for that. The very first independent account we went to in New York asked for a single barrel on the first day we went there because they were interested enough in the brand of what they tasted. So we were like, okay, how do we build this portfolio out? where we can we only, have, we only have one expression too we only had nova in the market initially uh twofold came about three to four months later 
and then followed by Solera six months later after Nova was introduced. And people were like, how can we get this single malt whiskey as a single barrel expression? And it kind of just took off from there. And with one of the great things about, I hate to say great things about the pandemic, but one of the, I guess, the outliers in a way, if you can find it be, find that silver lining and be good for a company is that we had planned a time to develop and think about what are we going to do as a company? And so we went from having no single barrel program in the beginning of, or in yeah March of 2019 to selling 20, to selling 17 single barrel casts um, in 2020 and already selling 12 this year because people were asking for it. It was demand. But get back to Chad's point, we didn't want it to be the, the representation of Star Wars. We wanted to be an introduction into what Star Wars could be on your palate. Mm-hmm. So what we've always thought about is we had one, we had one company I won't say the state, I won't say the name, that bought a single barrel before ever taking on one of our whiskeys. And it was a bad idea for us. We, we saw it as a great opportunity to get into this account. They end up taking on one or two of our other expressions, but it was led with a single barrel. And that single barrel is still sitting there almost two years later because no one knows about us. Bringing back to your point, it's a world That's whiskey. The thing. Yeah. It's an Australian whiskey coming out from Australia, bringing it into the American market. We have a team of five people here in America. Like it's a very small representation trying to sell a whiskey all across this country, the most important country when it comes to selling whiskey, if you want to be an international company. And it was, I don't, I don't, I don't think it was like a, a greedy take on our point, our point. I think it was just an opportunity, opportunity for us to kind of come into a market that we really wanted to be in and being a store we thought was really important to be in as well. Then you take Binnings, for example, we sell in Nova, we sell in Twofold, we sell in Solera, we sell them a single barrel. The single barrel essentially sells out in three to four months. Uh, 240 bottles is gone in that span of time. Um, it's released on Thanksgiving weekend. They put a little ad out to their, um, to their email subscribers there for the newsletter. It sells pretty quickly. And then the other whiskeys start to pick up in sales too over this last three to four months. It's a right. gateway into what this brand can be and what this brand also has on the shelf. And we're seeing that at other stores, Leo's, for example. Leo's is all three, all three whiskeys. They're buying a single barrel. Chris helped me pick it out. Um, we had a great afternoon after tasting the Sagamore single barrel that they, they picked out. So there'll be a Sagamore. Two, in- by the way. Yeah, right, right. They, picked, they ended up taking two. Oh, they did? I didn't and, know that. Yeah. Oh, and, man, and then awesome. And then the uh, Star Wars barrel. All three barrels in the same day. Yeah. <laughs> That's to say their palates were crushed. Um, but, you know, it, but it goes to show like, hey, we don't just believe in like a single barrel. We believe in this brand because they're not just going to buy a single barrel because nothing else is moving on the shelves. Uh, I think they've reordered twofold. I, I think I'm not totally sure. And other balls have moved off the shelf. And then we had that little trial run with another single barrel sample kind of going in there. And people were calling it and asking about it before they even got it in the store. So it's something it's 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 now important for people to have a single barrel but you can't rest in that laurel of having a single barrel to sell a company so to kind of make a very long answer of long yes there's pressure (laughs) but you have to do it correctly you can't think like i'm gonna be a single barrel distillery like barrel bourbon for example like that's what they do that's that's their whole niche that's what everybody knows them for and that's how they've grown as a company not saying that won't last or anything like that but for a world whiskey coming out of Australia, we can't do that. No way. No way whatsoever. Yeah. 
we have to yeah. have the barrel there for people to have a great taste of it. We can't rest on it. You know, the, the cool thing is, like, I, I think of, like, the some of these Union Horse uh, single barrels, they're like the bat signal, right? Like, it goes up in the sky. You know, you get a bunch of people in different states paying attention. They're like, what the fuck is that? What's going on, right? Like, states that don't even have this, right? Yeah. Uh, I think it's a really good way to introduce states that don't have it on the shelf, uh, particularly with the whiskey enthusiast, right? Right. And I, I, I hate the term influencer, but I will say the enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. A bottle made its way down the river here. It ended up at a local liquor store for them to share out. A few more bottles made it down the river, you know, to somebody that tried it at a bottle share, at a, at a bottle share event. Like, that's word of mouth. That is traditional word of mouth. Metallica became a huge band because people were burning or they were they were making mixtapes of it. Yeah. It was essentially Napster before Napster, which was why it was always funny that Metallica <laughs> railed against Napster. It's like you would have never been a fucking band if people hadn't been making cotton dupe tapes and handing it out to their friends, right? I would have never heard of it. <laughs> like that is legit like the door to door salesman story yeah. of like how Pappy Van Winkle started where he was literally bottles in a suitcase going door to door going, hey, let me sell this to you. And yeah. do you want it? I think the single barrel program can do that. I yeah. don't know that it's sustainable much the same way that I don't think distilleries that base their entire foundation on MGP can be sustainable long term. I, I agree. The MGP agree. fans, they're looking for that 14, 15 year MGP barrel. When you're when you're out, they've moved on. They are, there is no brand loyalty. Uh, it's something I think about with Smoke Wagon a lot. I'm like, people are loyal to you now because you have a lot of these barrels aging. But when you run out of that shit and you start releasing because all you can get is a four or five year old MGP barrel, are those people going to stick around? And I think no. the answer is no. no, because they're going to move on to this other thing that's now got you know, a 12 or 13 year old, you know, MGP barrel. It's like, oh, I need that because I'm an MGP person. Right. Single barrel is a similar thing. I think that people are always looking for that new hot, you know, Paris Hilton, you know, barrel of whiskey, right? Yeah. But eventually when you don't offer those things anymore, they're moving on. They're gone. Yeah, they're gone. They move on to something something that I work. It's something I worry about with a lot of these brands like New Riff. I think makes a fantastic standard flagship four-year bottled and bond rye. Fantastic. And literally nobody talks about it because all they talk about is like, oh, I got this single barrel that there's 184 bottles of and it's got a cool sticker. Don't get me wrong, I like a sticker. I do like a sticker, especially the bees. But those people are chasing the exclusivity they're not really chasing what you're making or what your plan is to be an established brand. And I think that's the danger of going all in on singles mm-hmm. as opposed to doing a core that's really, really excellent. Correct. And, and that just goes back to what we were talking about before. I was like, we at Union Horse, we didn't feel pressure. I never, I didn't have pressure on me to 
you need to develop a single barrel program. I just saw an opportunity where a single barrel program would benef- be mutually beneficial and, and, and serving um, in, a, in a regard where, you know, I wanted to do something for the smaller guy. We wanted to do something for the smaller independent store. We didn't want to do anything, with all due respect, we benefit from having the, the relationship with Binnie's and the larger, you know, multi-location, you know, uh, retailers and so on and so forth. But our, I really love the little guy, you know. So what could we, I just, during the difficult time where on, off-premise, on-premise, where, which is bars and restaurants, where little guys like us, you know, make our living, was gone. It was completely taken away from us. How do we make up that difference in a sense? You know, so uh, we looked at it as an opportunity, an opportunity during a difficult time where we felt, okay, we are confident in what we produce, you know, uh, every day. Why not? Maybe we do the single barrel thing, but we have to do it specifically. We had to do it strategically. So we, we implemented that and that's helped us. So, you know, that, that really carried us into 20 from in, throughout 2020. Is it going to take, you know, carry us into throughout 2021? We don't know, but we're not approach. We're not pursuing it that way. You dig what I'm saying? It's like, because we can't afford that. We're sitting on 1200 barrels, gentlemen. That's not a lot. That's not a lot. I didn't know that, dude. I, I, That's yeah. not a lot. We're sitting on, we're sitting on 1200 barrels. We, we have 12,000. barrels. Yeah, there you go. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, we can't afford to just say, hey, single barrels, let's do it. No. Why are we doing this? We like, again, during a difficult time, we looked at the opportunity within it. The optimist, the optimist that I am personally, I saw an opportunity during a difficult time. We talked about it and we just, we pulled, we put something together to, that we thought would really benefit everybody during this difficult time, not just us, everybody. And when I meant everybody, I meant small businesses and our, our smaller partners. Because obviously our bars and restaurants are gone. So we're going to have to lean on everyone else who's getting leaned on. You do what I'm saying? Yeah, Wilson, let me interject one quick yeah, point to, 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 to highlight you, to highlight your distillery. Because what happens if you aren't the Chicago market manager, the Illinois market manager for your brand? You know this market so well. And then you've, you have the, the presence and the intellectual ability to come in this online community and say like, I'm going to make a footprint in here as myself and as the brand people are buying you as much as they're buying union horse. They're buying sting. They're buying. Yeah. They're buying buying good whiskey, but they're also buying a good person. So what happens if if you, you know, you're, you were my wedding party, so I'll be nice to you. Um, (laughs) But, but, but what happens if you dissipate? Like if you aren't there anymore, what happens to union horse? We just hope that, you know, and again, and that, and that's what comes up. We have to like, you know, all right, we, as reps, the three, the three tier system sucks ass. I love it. Big fan. I know. I know <laughs> you do. The three tier system sucks ass. You know who I'm really a big fan of right now? I'm going to throw out a shout out to these guys. Wolf Point Distilling. Blom Brothers. Yeah. I was going to say know. Blom. Like Blom comes back to this whole conversation because as Mike was saying, you couldn't, you can't rest on MGP. So you can't Blum, rest on that. Blum yeah. had these amazing honey barrels from MGP, 11 to 13-year-old yeah. cast that everybody was fighting after in the bourbon community. But they, and they knew, like, hey, we can't sit on these because they're not going to last forever. 
And we also want some for ourselves too to have, Correct. you know, in the long end. So they started making three, four uh, year old rye and bourbon. And it's good, good craft whiskey. It's good yes. whiskey. It's, yes. it's some of the best Illinois whiskey, in my opinion. There's tons of distilleries here. It's, I mean, maybe the best, I guess. It kind of differ, differentiates a little bit here and there. But the Blums have decided, like, hey, we're going to make a, a legacy brand. We're going to pass it on to our children. We're, we're going to base it off the MGP, but we're going to grow as Blum Brothers. Right. And see, and that's the thing. And, and to piggyback off of that, Jake, with me, you know, with the three-tier system, um, my – I have to depend on on the distributor. Chicago's a market that is a beast. It, it, it'll eat you up, spit you out, shit you out the next day. However you go down the throat. And then you bottle know. it as Malort. <laughs> and it's delicious. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like... That right about is, now it probably is, but not... Right about now. Not yeah, two hours ago, but not right now. I mean, I don't think even right now for me, Paul, personally, you know, I'm just... Dude, their MGP cast are awesome. They're no. great. They're great. But I'm telling you, the thing is, it's like the distributor ultimately is part of your business plan. So you really need to make it. So, you know, Jake, to answer your question, if there were no me or tomorrow I leave to do something different, I literally, I pride myself not only in what I do every day on behalf of the brand, but I'm also doing it on behalf of the distributor. So if I were to leave, they can still continue. I mean, I bring them along with me. They're not just like, hey, I did this for you. Good job. No, here's what you have. Here's what you have in place. This is what you need to maintain it. And here's how you can go about growing it. You know, that's what my job is. My job is to bring them along and not leave them behind. You know what I'm saying? A rising tide raises all boats, bro. You know what I'm saying? I mean. Yeah, but I, we, we know that. We believe in yeah, that. Yeah. But can our distributors actually believe in that is a whole different question. Hey, you know, either they buy in or, or get the fuck out. You dig what I'm Buy that wheelie. Yeah. Buy that Wheatley and you can get maybe one old Rip Van Winkle bottle. <laughs> but, you know, I, I just, you know, it, it's it's one of those things where I, it's as true, much as I strongly believe. So, I, I, sorry to overtake the, the uh, after Yeah, it, it's true. Yeah, Shit, no, this is great. My bad. I get yeah. to drink Bro. and listen. Perfect. You know. Okay. This is, this is, this is awesome. This is what Key in the Lake is. This is what. Yeah. But Sunday we need to remember that this is a key, you know, like this is this is Sunday Night Fights. This is the Ooh. Mikey and and and, and uh, Chris show. But you I know, know it, it's just like, Wilson. Just go off the all, all rising tides. You know, like that's why you, Brett, and I can you know be on this at this um this platform and hang out with each other because we're all good friends that work for different distilleries, but come yeah. on to like one podcast or come on to this platform with Sunday Night Fights, which we all sit and listen to every Sunday night when they're available. I mean, I would like a little more available than it is, but, you know, that's up to the host. Um, <laughs> but it's, it, it, we, we believe in that. We pride ourselves on sure. that. We truly – we don't say it and just, like, preach yeah. it without actually um, kind of following through with that ethos because yeah. we'd be liars if that was the case. We'd be working for distilleries that we used to work for if that was the case. Right. But It's true. We bring like, our friends along for the ride because, you know, that. I mean right. – I mean, I think we're the only between you and I, Abelauer, and other friends of ours in, in in the industry. I don't I don't know anyone else in this country that are actually pairing, you know, or uh, it happens like, partnering a, up, you know, with someone but, but, else that you're I, I have I, like, I have buds all across the country in New York and San Diego you know? and places that do this, 
it's just that it's it's all localized. And then that's true. I, Uber local. Like, I feel like Mikey lives in Chicago at this point. You know, like because yeah. it's like three Chicago kids talking right now, and yeah. it's been this conversation for you know how many months at this point, if not a year. Yeah. Yeah, because Mikey. Yeah, because Mikey's room right now looks like a Chicago tattoo place. Yeah, <laughs> I've always thought that. Great I'm like, studio right there. I'm like, man, great to go with. Looks like Great Lakes is, Tattoo. Right? Yep. Great Lakes Tattoo. It's a real place, and it looks. It is the right it is the best shittiest dive bar you will ever go to. I can't wait. <laughs> I, love I love it. it. Oh, I love it too. That's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Is Callum here? Is Callum here? I don't know. I can't. Tell, I haven't but... seen any requests from Callum. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let Brent. you guys go because I'm past my bedtime by like three hours. And this is the part where Wilson left the Instagram live, and Brett Bauer from Sagamore hopped on. Yo, know, Jake, like you, you kind of touched on something with Wilson, and I, I think it's interesting. Like Wilson and Brett are regional managers or sales managers for the respective brands. As far as the whiskey community is concerned, they become the national representation of those brands. Like you're, you may be the you know Chicago area for Starward, but when people think of Starward and the whiskey community, they're going to think of Jake. They're going to think of Key and the Lake. When they think of Sagamore, they're going to think of Brad. When they think of Union Horse, they're going to think of they're going to think of Wilson. I'm not trying to start any controversy within the respective companies on who should be compensated for what. <laughs> um, but I, look, I, I'll, I'll, make a, I'll make a call out on something. Whistlepig has released some exceptional Canadian single barrel rye whiskeys this year. There's some really interesting legalese on why these 17, 16, and 18-year-old whiskeys are hitting the market under a 10-year label in stores uh, that doesn't really need to be discussed. But what I can say is here in New Orleans, we have a representative for that brand that does not get back to the local liquor stores who have been clamoring for picks for some of these really ultra aged 10 year rye whiskeys. And I think about like, how is it that somebody that's local can't deliver on something the liquor stores want? But I've got representatives for brands that are in regions that I don't live in that are delivering some amazing shit that I can get my hands on. This, yeah, this goes back to a conversation that Mikey has probably heard many a times on Key in the Lake is that there are brands taking advantage of what we're doing right now. Mm. And there are brands that are absolutely shitting the bed when it comes to taking advantage of technology, taking advantage of interacting with us, with, with people like us. And there's brands that are absolutely taking advantage of it and excelling at it and have created so many such a larger market for the brand that they're not even in because they have people like Jake, they have people like Brett, they have people like Wilson that are that see like 
there is this opportunity. There is there is this way that I can reach a fucking guy in New Orleans when I'm in Chicago. There's a way that I can reach somebody in Maine and I'm in Chicago and my product isn't even there, but I'm still going to talk to them and I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do a live with them. I'm going to do a, you know, a zoom an IG, whatever it may be. And those brands are the brands that are seeing I don't know for sure, but I'm imagining that those brands are the brands that are seeing growth, that are seeing, at the very least, they're seeing uh, recognition of who the brand is, even if the product isn't even available in a wide swath of America. Yeah, and Chris, like you touch on that, and I thought it was cool because, like, Wilson said, well, maybe Wilson didn't say this, but some representative of some small whiskey brand said uh, they were flat for 2020. They weren't flat for 2020 because the bars and restaurants were open. They were flat for 2020 because they got the word out. Even if it was in a smaller scale, they still got the word out. And like, that's incredible when you think about like the tariffs in Europe that impacted American whiskey, especially craft, right? Killed them. We're just devastating. Yeah. And then, you know, there are brands out there with like where Wilson, who has engaged a national audience that's outside of Chicago, and whether whether it's that they can get their hands on Chicago Sting is irrelevant. The fact that he's talking to people. Like the, the the bourbon silk road, if you want to call it that, is helping people find these these uh, expressions in a way that's actually helping them maintain their sales quotas outside of bars and restaurants even being open. Yeah. That's incredible it's, shit. I think it's if I ended up selling printers tomorrow. I'm still tuning into Sunday Night Fight. I'm passionate. I'm passionate of the industry. I'm passionate of. We need of stickers, Brett. We need stickers. Second printers. I'll take but you them. know what I mean. Like if if I wasn't selling Sagamore, I'm still going to be engaged and in the community because I'm passionate about it. But the one thing a lot of us all have in common is our distributor might not know we exist, and where Whistle Pig and some of those other brands. There, there's different roles in this industry, but from our perspective, you either manage a distributor and then you sell a little bit, or you sell a ton and, and then hopefully the distributor then's like, hey, what the hell are you doing? I need to get in on this. And I think a lot of us that are doing what Wilson, Jake, myself are doing, we're, just, we're passionate about what we have. We've got good juice in the bottle. We love the community. We love to engage. And, and no offense to my distributor partners because one day they'll, they'll do us, they'll, they'll get on board. But right now, it's not that so you know i have to just we have to succeed despite them we have to present to bars and restaurants and liquor stores and you know influencers or taste people despite them and, and hope they come along because that's just the nature of the industry um but i think it starts with just a passion to succeed and a passion and a belief in what, what we have to sell and the stories we're telling and then again just in the community itself and, and then where we differ from some of those other brands is 
those people were hired to manage a distributor, I think, more than sell. Right. And, and kind of in, we're, we're probably shifted the other way, hoping to maybe one day get that way, but who knows? Well, I think the biggest thing to take into perspective is that this year has been unlike any other. I'm not trying to preach, you know, just some bullshit out there, but for me, it's been really difficult to know what buyers are comfortable with me walking into their store and saying hello, not with a handshake, but with a, you know, a fist bump this far away. And, yeah, exactly. and being comfortable with that. And it was really difficult for me to do that at the very beginning of July. I think my company allowed me to go back into stores and say to do visits, but a lot of people weren't cool with the cold calls. They were, they wanted you to make appointments and schedule by email. So that takes into effect a lot of places that were not receptive of us for rightful reasons. But then it goes back to those people adapting to what's happening right here and right now. I've had so many accounts that are like, hey, I've heard you're doing a virtual tasting. I've heard you're doing virtual events and this and that. I'm like, yeah, you want to do one? And they're like, yes, absolutely. Let's do it. I'm like, all right, here is uh, what we do. Here is our kits. Here is the promo code we can use. Basically, all I need you to do is make like three social media posts, and that's that's it. And then then and that's your that's your end of the bargain. And you're gonna make probably somewhere between five hundred to fifteen hundred dollars off of this one one hour and a half interaction. But they fail to do that because they haven't built the infrastructure to do to you know basically. I don't know. I mean, I hate to say adapt, but it's adapt to what we're doing. The online culture is so important now. Um, and for me, I've always been somebody who's been kind of in love with marketing, but never knowing it until I actually got into the real world after five to seven years of business experience and doing different things in various different uh, occupations and this is where the world presents itself at large. We can have people sitting in suburbs of Chicago, two guys in Chicago, a guy in New Orleans, and then an audience from all across the United States sitting here interacting with one another. And even if we're not selling bottles right now, we're selling the experience, which will lead to bottles being sold once our bottles come into their markets, if they're not already there. And it's important. You can't let go of that. And I think, I mean, Chris and I have had, I don't know how many conversations, Brett and I too, in person about why weren't we doing the online experience before 2020? Like, why were we leaving it there on the table? And we're definitely not going to abandon it once life goes back to some normalcy. We're going to be totally experiencing or uh, interacting with people online doing virtual tasting, doing virtual events where we can't reach everybody in person. I, uh, Brett and I were traveling almost once a week for our jobs before all this and going across the United States, selling our whiskey, hand selling it to accounts during the day, going to an event at night, going out with somebody else at, uh, after that event and drinking in a bar till one in the morning, waking up and then going doing it all over again and flying back home and then repeat the next week. That was our lives, and it was pretty fun. Don't be wrong, but uh, <laughs> uh, there are some great parts to it. Um, Sounds like a hard life, Jake. <laughs> hey, it was. You know, you know, it was a very, it was a very hard life drinking those, uh, those uh, hundred dollar whiskeys at one o'clock in the morning. You know, it was tough. 
I, I mean, it, the, the part of it was tough for me. Like when I started doing this job and traveling across the nation, was I was getting married like at the same point. And you're like, we're planning a wedding. And then I was literally traveling five days before my wedding, uh, I think in California, and coming back to Chicago, then, then the drive to Indiana. And those are the tolls it takes on you because you, you don't want to miss out on the important things of life because at the end of the day, it is a job. Is it a job we're passionate about? 100%. We wouldn't be in these positions if we weren't passionate about our job. And we wouldn't be, doing, we wouldn't be hanging out at 11 o'clock at night on an Instagram Live doing this if we didn't love our jobs because I honestly don't want to hang up right now even though I could go to bed. But I'm like, I'd rather drink some old tub and talk to you guys than do anything else at this point. Um, no, Jake, Jake, as much as I love Old Tub, you need to be drinking this. Well, I, I actually finished my bottle tonight, so I don't have any more. That's fair. I killed this tonight. So. I had two bottle kills tonight, and so, uh, yeah. I'm glad I also do think still. At least, at least I think I'm still here. There were a lot less of these opportunities, I think, before all this went down, too. Like, because right. we would have been at Indie Spirits. We would have been at Bourbon Fest. We would, it just kind of was – there just were things on the calendar and you were there and you did them. There weren't as many of these two years ago, a year and a half ago as there are now. Now that's the thing. I've been committed to this moving forward and, and how it interplays with in real life as well. But it'll be very curious to see, are you guys doing this on Sunday three years from now when, when we're back to normal? Or are we doing other things? Are you out at a, an event? Are you out, you know, is there is there somebody in town that you're going to go see? Are you going to be at Delilah's? Are you going to be at Doris Metropolitan? Who knows? Or will we still draw an audience of 50 people? No one's going to Delilah's because Mike is terribly afraid of COVID. So I was just standing there. Day, I'm years when COVID's gone. Yeah, it definitely remains to be seen for sure. But I can say that Mikey and I were doing this before COVID happen mm -hmm. so i don't see why we wouldn't be doing it after i'm gonna do it until literally no one watches exactly until we see a zero up yep. on the uh, and they'll be like and then like right, you, Chris, then you'll be like five good. more after that. <laughs> yeah and then we pr we might still actually do it <laughs> right yeah, yeah. let's be honest we're still gonna do it like i have no idea how many people listen to our podcast but we're still gonna do it i have no idea i don't look at all uh, it, yeah and that's the thing like I one, I feel like I feel like we have experienced sort of a permanent change. Like, of course, people are going to go back to bars, people are going to go back to restaurants, but there were people that were always not doing those things. Yeah. And and the the, the COVID situation opened up these types of things to those people and the people that were going to bars and restaurants. And I think you'll always have, you always have the people that would rather do this than go to a bar or restaurant. And if you're going to ignore those people, then that you, that you've now had access to, I mean, <clears throat> Okay, you can you can ignore them. You can you can go back to what you were doing, um, but I also think that this type of thing that we're doing here tonight, and we've talked about this on Key in the Lake, you're still going to have those people that go to bars and restaurants that are now like 
we've had like a paradigm shift. Like this is sort of like a new normal. People are, I feel like people are always going to be seeking out things like this, no matter if they go to bars and restaurants or not. This is like, you have to continue, in my opinion, you have to continue doing this as a brand. You have to continue talking to people in the online space, in the online bar. If you're going to grow your brand and if yep. you ignore it, you're fucked, especially, if, apparel, you're, yeah. especially like, if you're a smaller brand. There's, right. there's a reason why we this. did this as Sunday night fights too and not Friday night fights or Saturday night <laughs> fights. Nobody was going to fucking watch us if we did it Friday or Saturday night. Right. Like they're all gonna, they were all going to be out at bars or clubs or restaurants or whatever, right? We literally did this uh, because it was a down night. You know, obviously we have some, we run into some competition on you know football season or whatever, but we did this because people are mostly home. Football games are mostly over. Um, it's a nice way to just have one more drink at the end of the night, maybe two or three, and you know get get onto your day. Like that was the entire point. Like I can't go to a bar seven nights a week, even pre-COVID. Right. I mean, so Sunday night, Chris, two years ago, you and I were literally here on Sunday nights doing the same shit. Right. Yep. And it's not like that we were, you know, like we weren't Miss Cleo. We weren't predicting the future or seeing the future or anything, right? We were, I watched we were just, this is what we wanted to do. And now there's this interesting, like, kind of confluence of, Yes, people want to go back to bars. They want to go back to restaurants, right? We want to do those things, but there's still this other realm of social media that we have found this 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 home for people that are it's almost like a radio station. I've been watching country music the King so documentary, which is phenomenal by the way. And they're talking about all these radio stations that have these impact across the United States and I'm like Okay, we're definitely not a fifty thousand watt blowtorch, you know, based out of you know Kansas or Chicago, but we have this this access to people that are around the country, and even if it's fourteen people, that's so fucking cool. Yeah. And if you dropped us into the Middle Ages and said, "I want you to talk to fourteen people across a geographic you know region," they'd burn you at the fucking stake for being able to do it. <laughs> Right, they would literally burn you to the stake. Right, and and that's a really cool thing, and I love that we get to do this. You know, two Sundays every month. No, I, I think that's such an important conversation to hold on to, Mike. Is that what, like why let go of it? As I said, I I remember sitting in a bar one night on a Sunday night and doing an event and watching you guys. I'm like, I'd rather be hanging out with you guys that are like-minded folks than sitting here promoting my brand to people that are just like looking here to get drunk and they see there's a cocktail menu that's half off or whatever the deal was that night which is super important for us like if i i can go like let's say there's, there's 11 people in here right now plus us four so 15 people hanging out and i can't sell bottles i can't sell a cocktail you know hand uh, from back bar to, to hand right now but at the same time 
if I can sit here and talk about whiskey, develop trust, talk about the history, talk about my brand, I, I'm hoping a bottle comes out of that. And at the end of the day, that's four cocktails. That's five cocktails. And it's more brand presence right there, having it on your back bar, be able to share it with friends in the future versus someone having a whiskey from a guy who bought him a cocktail um, at some random bar on a Thursday night. Where does that go? And I think this leads a lot farther, a lot further with, a lot further, excuse me, when it comes to developing a brand versus sitting in a bar sometimes on a very quiet evening. The old mod, I mean, Brett, can you attest to this? We develop brands inside of a bar. And I, I still hold on to that. I still think we can. I still think we should. But at the same time, don't let go of this. Don't forego the online premise that we have keyed on the Keen Lake podcast. Thanks to Chris on episode one something uh, back in a very drunken December evening. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's it's so important because we're all here hanging out with each other, talking about whiskey, talking about like-minded personalities and like-minded situations when it comes to sitting in COVID and how we're experiencing it. But it's, it's all different because we all have – you know, we're all living in different states and different municipalities when it comes to how we're governed. But at the same time, we're sitting at home and enjoying each other and hopefully trusting each other. Because if you guys are putting out two great whiskeys like Sagamore and Union Horse, then you can think like, oh, this weird guy in a beanie can sell some Australian whiskey too. That's probably pretty good. I'll check that out. Or I should go back to a previous fight and buy some turkey or buy whatever it was, Blade and Bow even, you know, put that key in there. But uh, uh, it's, it's, it's something that's building trust through an online community that we never thought of taking advantage of to what we're doing over the last year. And we should have been. And we shouldn't forget it either. So I was at Total Wine today. And I was picking up, I was picking up this guy because I needed a refresh. Well, thank you. Because Martin's was out. Mart, yo, dude. I, I spend money on brands that I like. I, I'm, you know, you asked me if I needed anything. I told you that your money's no good. Uh, if I like it, I'm going to pay for it. That's the way I, that, that's, that's the way I feel about whiskey. Uh, I get a lot of free samples through the bourbon Alliance. If I like it, I'm going to go buy a fucking bottle just because they sent me something. You know, that's, I, I feel like they've invested in sending out something. If I like it, I'm going to return that. Uh, you know, twofold at least, I hope. Uh, but I'm in Total Wine today, double mask. I'm in there to get Sagamore. God, they harass me every time I'm in there. It's like, I swear to God, like, stop selling me that. I mean, just there's, a, there's like four or five brands that they push relentlessly. And I'm like, why did I walk into the Bourbon Isle today? I know where the Rye Isle is. It's this little segment off to the side next to like American whiskey, which is all flavored. Uh, and this guy's like, it's like, hey, you know, you, you've been in here a lot. Shit. That's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. Uh, he's like, I got this thing. He's like, it's, it's 20 bucks. It's less than 20 bucks. Just try it. We've got it on the tasting thing. I'm like, yeah, I'll try it. He's like, it's a three-year-old rye. He's like, just tell me what you think. Gave me a sip of it. It was 11 o'clock in the morning. I was, I was, <laughs> I'm like, you know what? This is actually not bad. It's a 90 proof rye whiskey. I needed a cocktail rye. 
because I'm completely out of cocktail rise right now. And I and I said, you know what? I'm going to take this home just because you talked to me about it. You told me a little bit about it. You gave me a sample. I'm going to take it home with me. How often do you think that works as a brand rep? Like when you do a liquor store event and you're standing there and you've got your little table and you've got your bottles and you're pouring, like how often does somebody literally take home your bottle based on the tasting? Uh, I mean, that's a great question. And the perfect example I can give is I went into, so Benny's is our big local liquor store here in Chicago. They have 40 plus um, stores in Illinois. And I went to mine that's right across the street from my condo uh, probably two weeks ago. And I was like, hey, guys, we're for Star Wars. The, the, the uh, manager of the entire facility, him and I used to be drinking buddies at our, um, our great bar, Fountainhead, that used to exist here. And we're talking in the aisle. Whiskey manager kind of comes up in the aisle. I was like, guys, do you need anything? And I'm like, yeah, do you have Solera in the back shelf? Because our distributor should have sent that on Wednesday. This is on a Saturday. It's like, yeah, absolutely. I think I'll go back there and check, see what we have. So he goes in the back, brings us a case of Solera back to the front of the, to the front of, uh, um, to the shelves and puts on the shelf. Come back in 10 days later, there's five bottles left. Gave him a sample at the end of the day. We can't do samples in person right now in Illinois, which rightfully so. We shouldn't be. Um, but that exists still. Or that hand selling to not the sell not not the buyers that are in the store, but the actual people that work for the store, give them a little fresh reminder. I give them a two ounce bottle of Solera, and the next thing you know, ten days later, five bottles of a sixty five dollar bottle of whiskey are sold. And if I was doing that in person, I don't know if I'd ever get the results after three hours. Now a three hour tasting for me was, and I think Brett can attest to this. I know Jess has sold like two cases of whiskey in three hours at certain venues. Um, cause Jess is just better at selling than Brett, let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> shots fired. <laughs> I sound like Wilson now, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, 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 it's so pivotal to our, our importance to brand because we always want to get liquid to lips. And I, I think, but it's also important to get liquid to lips, to the managers, the people that work inside of those aisles too, because you trusted that guy for some reason. He, he knew you came in there. He recognized you. So you, you thought, hey, if, if you're going to steer me in a direction, I'm going to trust you on some level. So You, you didn't to try to sell me on Chestnut Farms. Right. <laughs> not? It's like Sheffield and Clark here at Benny. Right, right. <laughs> that big Texas. I'm like, stop it. Right. And it's a sad thing, too. Like, I was with my wife over in the same Benny's, um, like, five days ago. And Sheffield and Clark has their own whiskey, their own wine, all that good stuff. And it's fine, whatever. You know, it's cheap. It's fine. And I was over in the whiskey section. She was over in the blended California section for wines. And she comes over and goes, hey, have you ever heard anything about this Sheffield and Clark? I'm like, oh, it's just Benny's. I'm like, why do you ask? Like, oh, the rep was trying to sell me on this on this wine. You're like, let somebody doesn't know anything. Let somebody that doesn't know what they have in this giant, giant catalog of wines when it comes to a Benny's store. And that's wine, not whiskey. But at the same time, you can't trust that person. They're trying to sell the brand. They're not trying to sell you on something good. Like it's, it's a, at the end of the day, it's a $13 bottle of wine. Like not a big expense, especially for a couple coming on a Saturday night during a pandemic that probably wants to have just a nice bottle of wine, maybe order some food in and have a little night to themselves. We're talking about a $50, $60 night. Nothing compared to going out to dinner, 
going to bars and restaurants a year ago from now or a year ago previous to now where we used to go out and spend who knows what by buying a bottle of wine, going to dinner, having some appetizers, having some cocktails afterwards. We're talking about a very minimal experience financially compared to what we're doing a, a year, 16 months previous to this day. And you're still trying to sell your brand. Like, no, sell what's good. Sell what you believe in as a person. And that's what, that's what, I, wanna, that's what I wanna see from people in those aisles. And that's our job to sell them, sell them those our brands because we believe in their brands. If they believe in us, they should also believe in what we're pitching them. That's why I say that, and we, we've talked about this, and why would you put your trust, why would you, why would you go to a bar and train a bartender on your, on your whiskey and rely on them mm. to then sell it to someone who comes in, into the bar? Why would you go into a store and do an education for the people in the whiskey section to then have them sell your whiskey. Right. I mean, the, the, the only, to me, just looking at it from the outside is the only way that your whiskey is going to be sold is if you're the last guy in the store talking to the rep who's selling whiskey in the aisle because he thinks, Oh, Jake from Star Wars was just here. And I'm not saying that this isn't an integral part of selling alcohol. It obviously is. It's worked for it's worked forever. But this right here, this space, is where you're able to connect with 10, 11, 13, 20, 30 people who might be watching and selling to them directly rather than relying on a bartender, rather than relying on a guy in the aisle at, at Binnie's to sell your whiskey for you. It just, it boggles my mind now with, with what we have available to us that, I mean, obviously those things are necessary. Yeah. I mean, Binnie's isn't going away. Bars and restaurants and bartenders aren't going away, but relying on those people to sell your product for you seems like an antiquated way to sell your product. Yeah, it, and it, it can be, but at the same time, we're putting that trust into both you two, you know, like, uh, no. so if you yeah. think of you as a bartender, essentially, where... But you're here, though, but you're here talking, so it's not necessarily... Not necessarily me and Mikey. I mean, you're doing zooms. You're doing you're doing There's... virtual tastings. You're basically hand selling yourself to people. Right, and that's something that I mean. Well, you were here for that large argument we didn't record <laughs> uh, in person with like six different people inside the industry, where we were all just yelling at each other not not negatively not or being mean to one another but just expressing our opinions about how important the online community is and that we think we can build off of this and i just i'll remember you sitting over here in my couch kind of passively listening to everything and then just like why wouldn't you come to this online community and then everything erupted from there and then i left to go move my car from a parking spot to another spot and then 
came back 20 minutes later and everyone's still going through this conversation. And I finally was like, I might as well turn the computer on to record this all because it's a really great, intriguing conversation. But it gets back to where we left off four months ago. It's why would we not be doing this? Because you can do it at any time. We're doing it at 11 o'clock at night, Central Standard Time. We're doing it at midnight right now on the East Coast. And there's people listening on the East Coast at midnight listening to me talk about whiskey. Like, why not do it? And yeah, I mean, like, liquor stores are closed right now. So are, so are restaurants. Right. Some bars are open. But how many people are listening to you at a bar? Right. You know, like, that's a really powerful, compelling thing is like, okay, there's 14 people paying attention right now. There may be, let's say, half that on a replay. You know, you're still talking about 20 people that never heard the story outside of this. Yeah. Why not do that? And I'm still curious, like, from the brand perspective, and I'm talking about the company, you know, Brett, like, how does how does Sagamore look at what you're doing? Because, like, honestly, like, I have, like, maybe six or seven people from Sagamore that followed me this week. <laughs> Mainly because of your videos and reposting them, uh, which is amazing. But it's like, how does the company view like the sales reps that are out here doing the work virtually rather than just being on the road all the time. Like, what are they, what are they going? Like, dude, like you're a rep for this region, but what the fuck are you doing? And how is this, how is this working? Like, what, what do they feel about that? Just, it's just keep hustling liquid ellipse. I mean, that's, that's what it's about. It's, you know, you, one of the worst if I I stayed in the store for three hours, right, whether it be a Binnie's or an independent store that bought three cases, my goal is to sell a six-pack. And, and I generally do better. I maybe, say, I maybe taste 40 or 50 people out, right? The worst part of the industry is when you pay an agency, you know, to stand at the total line in Metairie or in, in Mandeville after a product. That's a couple hundred bucks. And odds are she's standing at her cell phone the whole time anyway. Hopefully, thirty or forty people try the whiskey, and you know, a successful rate would be maybe three people buy the bottle. Um, and then this is very new, I think, to to a lot of a lot of us. So, you know, from what the company's concerned, we're all in it together, and just you know, right, you know, it's one team, one dream, and just let's. The goal is to get liquid to lips. We get liquid to lips, we're going to be just fine. You know, just like with Star Wars and, and Union Horse, you know, we're all making pretty damn good whiskey, and and. It's just a matter of getting the more and more and more people to try it, more and people to know. You know, you guys do us a great favor by having us on tonight. All the fun banter. I mean, my my reel got two K some odd views. I don't think I've ever had anything close to that before. Um, I don't think I've ever posted a reel before. But that that is why it's twelve people to go out and, and buy a bottle or try a bottle of your reviews today from the fights. Gets people to at least when they're say you know they're standing at the store. Okay, I've seen Sagamore a lot. I've heard a little about Sagamore. Okay, now Mike and Chris talked about it. I'll pull the trigger on that purchase. Yeah, and, and that's what it's about. I mean, ultimately, it's all about building brands and sales, and and, and to me, them beyond that with the community and just good people. But I think everybody's on board. I, I mean, it's 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 hustle. It's just hustling a different version. You know, it's yeah. kind of the UPS lady sucks. Selling the olive oil sucks, but. You, you gotta do. You gotta do what you gotta do. And I can't sit in a Binnie's. I mean, I used to be in a Binnie's pretty much every Friday and Saturday 
for two years, three years. I'd rather be with Wyoming and, or Sagamore, just tasting people and selling bottles. Um, I think now we found a new way to taste people and sell bottles. And, and then, then hopefully when this is all over, we have a nice combination of all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would think that, like, there's – there's obviously, it's got to be difficult as a brand rep, like – the online space is that it's like this vast space. Where do you even, where do you even know where to go? Yeah. Like, what is the, what hard. is this due to the regions? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, I can, I can see how this is even more difficult. Like, you know, where Vinny's is, you can go in there and you can do a tasting, but where do you go on Instagram? Where do you go on Facebook? Where do you go on the internet? Like, it's this vast open space. Like, how do you actually connect with someone where you can do a tasting virtually? I can see where that can be very difficult to do. Whereas, you know, you can go, you can set something up with a physical space like a Benny's or an independent store. So I didn't, you know, Jake, you made the comment before, like, oh, we're, you know, like a thing like this, we're sort of putting like Chris and Mikey are the bartenders. And I get that. I, I totally appreciate that. Make that, you a goddamn cocktail. That equivalence. <laughs> um, yeah, we a long I, time. That's actually kind of eye-opening to me. Like, I <clears throat> now, like, I understand, like, this space isn't as easy as maybe sometimes I, I like, think that it could be for a brand because, like, you don't necessarily know where to go and who to connect with to do the things virtually. Right. Well, I think that's where a lot of the, the medium size or bigger brands maybe do struggle is because they're worried. How can they connect with you? One's in Chicago, one's in Louisiana. Well, I cover Chicago, you cover Louisiana. I'm on premise, you're off premise. And, and when you're a smaller brand like us, just in your passion and you believe, I'll figure it out. Like, hey, if you don't want to be on on the camera, but you cover Massachusetts for me, I'll get on the camera for us. I'll get on the camera for you. Or, you know, I'll reach out. I'll reach out to anybody just to, to you know, I accidentally stepped on somebody's toes because he was already engaging with somebody the other day. I was like, oh, shit, I didn't know. I didn't realize he was speaking. Sorry. But when you're with those bigger companies, I think people get a little bit worried about getting outside of their, their, their zones or their regions and, and distracted by the greater good. So it, it is challenging, but I think with our side, I mean, Jake's got the biggest territory of all of us. He covers the whole country. Um, as an as an ambassador, don't you? Uh, I used to. We oh, hired, sorry. hired more people. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> but um, so, but that's one of the fun things about being smaller is, is right. we're all in lots of in unison and we can just, let's just figure it out. Let's get it booked. Let's get the interest. Let me figure out samples, et cetera. I mean, Brett, you were the one. That, I mean, so I always thought the online perspective was a great place to build into. Two years ago, when I first, I mean, I guess probably four years ago, being with Cobol, when uh, I would say whiskey Instagram was starting to take off and people were starting to build an influencer program based on whiskey. This is probably back in like 2016, 2017, where you started to see the rise of it. I thought this was a great way to go for our distillery at the time to build into it. 
Um, still really didn't really believe in what me and a few other people were doing. But then once I started with Star Wars, one of the most important conversations I had about building a brand was with Brett. And Brett was on, what, like episode 30 of our podcast? Was it first episode? Something like that? Uh, early on. You must mean a different Brett. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, something, or something early. But you were like, you talked about building the online community. This was two years ago. And I was like, yeah, that's what I thought too. But I had never had the reassurance until I had that conversation with you. And it was all about how can we build this online community to be to replicate what we're doing inside of a bar and inside of a retail store. And I, I was already there. I, it was just a matter of I just needed that push. And this is a guy that I don't even work with. He works for technically a competitive brand, um, if you will. We both we make different styles of whiskey. We're coming from different countries. But at the same time, we're still fighting for shelf space. But we're also friends um, at the end of the day. And that conversation just really opened my eyes to push everything online as much as a possibility as you can. It wasn't until a year later when the pandemic happened, we were forced to build a brand online. And that's where I thought my specialties, if you will, as being a photographer, a videographer, graphic designer was really coming to play. Um, I can talk to people about whiskey. I'm passionate about whiskey. I'm passionate about Star Wars. But at the same time, I can show them my passion through an artistic field that I've already developed previously previously before coming to this brand and that's kind of I think where a lot of it lies keep pushing things out saying show what your brand can be talk to people in Tennessee we opened a new market in Tennessee a month ago and one of our stores is already on their second uh, reorder of every single SKU that we have is buying a single barrel of ours because of an online tasting that's it they have an app program so they've already developed to what we're doing right now as human beings. We're buying everything online. They invited a guy on from a distillery in Australia that lives in Chicago to do a tasting. Guess what? At the end of that tasting, he was sold out of Star Wars products. So he had 18 bottles gone from the shelves. And it's like, hey, I like to buy single barrels. I'm trying to buy 40 single barrels this year. I love your whiskey. I tried one of your single barrels. Let's talk. That's where it all comes into play. Like, why are we not doing this? And why will we ever stop doing this online demonstration of our brands? It's so important. I I think so. Yeah. Does it blur the lines then between the regions that have been traditionally drawn over states and and areas? Well, is there there just going to be an accepted overlap based on online at this point? Yeah, I mean, like, for us, we basically have three brand ambassadors, one on the East Coast, me in the Central Region, and then one on the West Coast. And before that, I was doing the entire country with our boss, who now lives in Seattle. And then we have one marketing manager who lives in Chicago with me, so she kind of, like, helps me out. What's up, Polly? No, Polly's on our sales team. Gosh. Oh, right. 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 Um, Polly works for multiple brands, not just Star Wars. But, um... It, yeah, and, and like, and to be honest too, like, I'd be totally transparent with everybody's hanging out here, all seven listeners. Like, we have money behind us. We have a subsidiary of Diageo called Distilled Ventures, who invested into our company years ago, where we can be able to take our brand from Melbourne, Australia, to Chicago and across the entire United States and into the UK. Like, that's how we are able to develop a brand. Are we a Diageo brand? No. Could we be one in the future? Yes, potentially. Um, but at the same time, there's essentially 
six to seven people really building this brand across the United States with uh, that financial investment behind us and taking advantage of that to actually represent our brand, do things like this, and then spread Star Wars across the entire country. But I think to answer your question, yeah, it does blur the traditional lines. And then not only regionally, but is it a marketing thing? Is it a sales thing? Is it a digital or social person thing? Like whose whose job is it to connect with who? Um, and I think I think there probably leads to some paralysis there for some brands. Whereas, right. you know, I think you know, Mikey, I just DM'd you one day, like, love your page, man. What's up? <laughs> love, love to engage. And then here we are, you know, a year and change later. Um, Chris, I learned from the Key in the Lake podcast. Uh, Bourbon Wins, you know, those guys, same thing. Just love listening and it's like, what's up, guys? It's a terrible podcast. How can we engage? And, uh, <laughs> um, but I think, you know, I didn't know what that was that for me to do. Is it for marketing? Is it for yeah. online? I don't I, I didn't want to wait to find out because I got a brand to build and a brand I believe in and whiskey I believe in and, and slap my hand if I overreach um, or I'll hand it off. I, 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 I'm happy to hand it off to whoever should be engaging um, or I'm happy to take the reins if need be. But there's, it's too crowded of a community. It's a great community, but there's too many brands and so much going on and a lot of noise, but I'm just going to hop in the fucking deep end and we'll go from there. Brett, do you find, do you still find that paralysis when approaching social media accounts? Because I know I do. It's like, if it's a if it's a whiskey club or an influencer outside of my region, I'm a little hesitant to reach out because I don't know if they've a never heard of our brand because we're obscure, we're from Australia, and b am I stepping on somebody's toes? No, I've been pretty unabashed about it. I'm, I've had a couple where I've reached out like, oh, we're already talking to so and so, we're already talking to so and so, and it's like, oh, cool. Well, in that point, when you're talking about like a bigger company and more more area representatives, it's really reliant on the individual and their engagement to actually make things happen. Because I, I mean, I've been at Elio's here in New Orleans, and they're like, <laughs> nice, Jake, nice. Uh, where, you know, I've asked him specifically, I'm like, hey, you know, have you guys tried to get a whistle pig pick? Because, I mean, I've had a 16, a 17, an 18-year-old from fucking Michigan that is coming down the river for me on a riverboat where I'm like, this is some of the best Canadian whiskey I've ever had. Yeah. And they're like, and, and Jeff over at Elios is like, he's like, I have asked this person so many fucking times. And she's like, yeah, 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 we'll do it, we'll do it, we'll do it. And then she never gets back to him. And he's like, he's like, look, he's like, I do picks for Pinhook, I do Russells, I do all of these things. He's like, I can't get Whistlepig to save my fucking life because of the rep. But then I know, like, in Southern California, he who shall not be named can get any pick because he's got leverage and he's got money and he can throw at these brands and say, I want this fucking barrel. I want it. And he'll get it. And I'm just like, it's so frustrating to know that it's still based on the individual 
in a in an area that is not engaging with the area at all, and I and I don't understand because look, I'm I, I'm still. I'm still uncomfortable with the social media impact that I can have. Not that I do have, but that I can you have. You do. You do that. But I, I'm still really uncomfortable with it because, anyway, it's a whole different topic. Well, but I understand that it's like, look, if if a store is reaching out to you and saying, "Hey, look, I have an established history with barrel picks," and okay, I'm not Lincoln Road in Mississippi. I mean, who is? Right. But I'm a local guy, and I've got really good. I've got really good picks. He's like, I really would like one of yours, and I sell your standard ten-year single barrel. Like, I want to do a pick with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get back to you. I'll get back to you. Like, the fuck are you doing that you ignore a store that's willing to outlay cash to get one of these barrels that apparently Whistlepig is shitting all over the country. Like, why are you not engaging with a store that's a passionate supporter of what you do? And if you're that store, how do you circumnavigate or circumvent a rep that may not be responsible or responsive, I guess? Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, to get what you need. I, I can never imagine that for my company because I know that Dave, our founder, would fly out to that store the next day if he, if anyone ever asked him to buy a barrel pick and i'm sure brett you're the same way if nobody could make it for if you could make it to your local like leo's mayfair of that day and jess was like just didn't exist in chicago you know timmy would fly out from texas to make sure that yeah. barrel pick was picked that day or next day and I, I i honestly couldn't i can't speak to that because i know our founder and i know the people at sagamore as well from, from the bottom to the top where they don't let those accounts go to the wayside because they care about every single account because every single account is so important right now to our brand building. And if that were, if that were to happen, that person wouldn't exist in our companies, I don't think, if they were just completely ignoring a company that was reaching out saying, hey, I want to buy a barrel pick. I have barrel, I have barrel picks going on right now in Tennessee that I've never met the person. I've only emailed with them and we're doing it through email. If you can't respond to an email, then, you know, there's a lot of other issues kind of going on. Yeah, there. like what are you doing during the pandemic for right, the whole right, year right. that you can't get a barrel pick through a store that's actively supporting you with piggyback and right. whistle pig standard tenure. It's like, are you kidding me? Right. And I, I, I'm, I'm kind of going through this issue right now in a way with our distributor, not through Star Wars, but through our distributor, um, three-tier system. And for people who are out there that don't know, as a brand, we have to sell to a distributor who then sells our whiskey for us. And they're completely ignoring um, phone calls, emails, text messages, DMs from a, from a store that – may be near and dear to three of the guys on this little call right here, IG Live, that I also can't respond to. They're not or they're not responding to my emails, my phone calls, my sales reps phone calls, my sales reps emails, my sales reps text messages for yes. whatever reason to sell four cases that are very important to 40 case sale in the future. And a 40 case sale is a single barrel. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know why that exists, why you would ignore 
money and money in your pocket as an individual rep? I don't know. I can't answer that question because I would never be a rep. I would never go work for a distributor to make money where I could sell whiskey or I could sell a mortgage. I would never do that because I have no passion for it. I have passion for this, this conversation. Yeah, nobody, really nobody wants to sell wheelie. I mean, I, I might want to. Or <laughs> I would love to sell some PBR, but. Um, I'd buy it from you. <laughs> but I think I, I got a good question for Chris and Mikey. Like at some point, does a brand like Union Horse, Sagamore, Star Ward, a lot of the ones that you guys feature and, and engage with, do we graduate? To is there a level where we graduate out of your realm? Like, Mikey, you probably have a bottle of Maker's Mark, just regular Maker's Mark, somewhere in your house. Um, regular J, regular J. Oh damn it! I've got a regular. Yeah. Right, like we all carry them, right? We have Woodford. We have. It's back there. I we, can't have see. The, we have the 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 ones that have established themselves, old foresters, etc., and some we like. And then they release something cool and different, so we get to talk about them. But is yeah, Jake, I Ooh, still don't have that one. Brett Bowery, yes. for me. Yes. It's but is there a point to where, like, do we get to a level <laughs> where we graduate, for lack of yes. a better word? I hope so. I don't graduate. Honestly, in terms like, of like, here's the thing, like. In, in, we're going to get into music for a second and then I'm going to go and I got to make dinner for my girl who's been like the fuck are you doing? Make dinner? I get some food and I'm starving. So here's here's how I feel about music. There's always like that punk band that everybody's like oh I was there before Green Day was big I was at Gilman Street I saw AFI, I saw Green Day, I saw Rancid, I saw I these did. bands before they were big right? And then they became big and popular and they're on Warner Music and they're like, ah, oh, fucking sellouts, fucking hate them and all that. You know what? I only wish for success for something that I love and that I admire and that I respect. I was a big Willet fan for a very, very long time. We're talking almost 20 years. I have a lot of Willet in my house. I have some in boxes. I will drink as much of that Willet as I can get my hands on. I also know I'll never see anything over four years anymore. I wish them all the fucking success on the planet because I love what they've done. I love who they were. I love how they did their, their business. I feel this way about Kentucky Owl. Mm -hmm. uh, they're not making rye after, well, there's rye barreled, but they're their series is over. Um, I know that there's going to come a point where I can no longer get pinhook easily. I want those. I want those people and those brands, Sagamore and Union Horse. I want them to be hard to find. I want them to be successful, even if at a great personal loss of the fact that at some point in my life, I will not be able to get pinhook just like I wasn't able to get Willet anymore. I want that to happen because I love them for a reason. Uh, I, I want that. I, I know that not everybody does because people are very protective and territorial over their favorite band or their favorite restaurant or their favorite whiskey. Like, I'm not that person. I want people to graduate out uh, as hard as that is to say, if Sagamore 
ever became a, a brand that I could never get easily with the things I wanted? Would I be a little bent about it? Yes. But you know what? I think yeah. this is a, maybe a good ending point for the uh, for the After Dark. Um, awesome, awesome to talk to both of you. What's super, what? super great conversation. And uh, it was basically an episode of Key in the Lake. <laughs> <laughs>